Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Welcome once again to another episode of the Orlando Magic Daily Podcast. I am Orlando Magic Daily Editor Philip Rossman-Reich. And uh, it's the off-season. It's June. It's officially, well, not almost, it's almost officially. We got the finals still going on, but it's officially time to dive deep into the off-season. And to do that, I'm joined by uh, staff writer Zach Palmer. Zach, how are you doing this evening? Oh, I am fantastic. I'm very excited to be on this podcast. Excellent. It's always good to have you. I love having you on. You're, you've got you got great great opinions. Uh, you're really really good, really smart uh, when talking about the magic. Really really smart about talking some other things uh, as well. And uh, we've got a big off season in front of us uh, this this year. Uh, the Tobias Harris trade obviously changed the equation a little bit uh, for the Magic uh, and set the table for this season. It's been four years since the Magic made the playoffs. Uh, a lot to a lot to, to dive into, a lot to change because you know this team's trying to go from thirty five you know from twenty five wins two years ago to thirty five wins last year to probably having to get to what forty one forty two forty three wins now. Um, so another big jump is is coming, and they've obviously been rebuilding. They want to keep a lot of these pieces around. And so um, about a week ago now, you wrote the Orlando Magic offseason manifesto. I'll link to it on OrlandoMagicDaily.com on the podcast. Uh, page or the link with the with this podcast included in it, uh, and uh, you know you really went deep into what the magic need to do this offseason and and like suggested some specific things uh, about how they need to go about rebuilding. But before we kind of dive in into that, what is kind of the overarching message about what the magic have to do and how they need to approach this offseason uh, from from your perspective? Well, I think the biggest thing for this season is that you need to get, and they've been talking about it a lot, veteran leadership. Because I think there's a lot of guys, and you say, you know, Jason Smith, C.J. Watson, and then they did that Brandon Jennings, Ursula Nella Silva thing, you know, whatever. But you need guys that have a pedigree in the NBA as, you know, good players that have been built around as centerpieces. And those guys that are previously listed, I mean, they've been role players on early playoff exit teams. And I don't think that commands the respect that the young players need to be able to, they need to be able, the young players need to be able to look up to somebody and say, Hey, I've seen what you've done. How can you help, help me? Because they, they want to be able to trust those guys. And hopefully that's what they're going to do this off season. And another thing too, is, you know, probably important, maybe even more important is you need to figure out how to balance the roster a little bit better. There's a lot of overlapping skill sets on the team. And again, do you want to add it through vets? Do you want to add it through young guys? I think vets are definitely the way I would lean. But um, that, I think that's the pretty, really big thing this offseason is probably adding a veteran leadership to the team and hopefully one that makes sense cost-wise and on the court. 
Yeah, and that's obviously something uh, Rob Hennigan said specifically uh, at exit interviews the day after the season ended. Uh, we need to add veterans to this roster. Uh, I think I think you're I think you're right. I think everyone sees it and, and recognizes it that you know you need veterans, but you need veterans who are going to be on the court. And no disrespect to Jason Smith, no disrespect to C.J. Watson. Those are those are both those are both bench guys. I mean, they're, they're role players, as you said. And you need someone on the court um, who's you know, not even necessarily going to be someone that players can ask for advice, but you know, when that, you know, six, when that six point lead with three and a half minutes to go is starting to slip or is, is, is slipping away. Uh, and that control over the game is, is getting lost late in games. He's going to be able to kind of grab the team together without the coaches having to say it and say, we're not losing this game guys. We're going to do this. You're gonna do that. You're gonna do this. You know, you need you need to do this for for your team, and they're gonna they're gonna follow him. It, 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 to me, I think the biggest problem with last year's team was there there was no leadership or, or confidence or belief that that that, that was going to happen. I mean, we've seen it so many times with this group, and it's almost to the point where where and certainly you know we've written about this on the site a little bit. It's almost to the point that. These players expect to to lose those those leads later, or, or to crumble late in games and, and and face those deficits, and that can't happen if you're looking to jump from 35 to, to 43 wins and into the playoffs. I mean, absolutely. I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said I think we've all noticed that it happens repeatedly. And again, last year they're looking for somebody to turn to or to step up, and there's nobody there to step up. I mean, I think you saw in the way the offense was run, you saw guys just isolating every play late. And maybe, you know, you're looking to coach, hey, coach, what should we run? And coach is like, hey, we need you to figure it out. I mean, that's your job as players. Coach needs to drop some plays, but these players need somebody that can execute those plays and tell it, make sure everybody's calm and poised. And yeah. I think they lost a lot of poise late in those games because they didn't have anybody to rally them and just keep them calm. But it's going to be – it's an interesting offseason because – I think a lot of the veteran presence you're looking out there, it's going to displace some of these young guys that are building around as far as the minutes are concerned. Like somebody has, somebody has to take the hit. So the question is, if you add that veteran presence, who's going to be the guy that takes the hit? And I think that's a really your big question this offseason. I mean, I think that's, that's generally the big question for, for the magic now as they move from the kind of rebuilding stage to the, to the let's be competitive stage is, you got to start making choices on guys. You got to start picking your horse, and um, I think we've seen as as some of these contracts have come up and, and the rookie contracts have ended. Rob Hennigan has bided his time a lot. Um, he got Nikola Vucevic on a crazy sweetheart deal. Like it, it that that deal. Like let me let me let me let me do some math. Like Nikola Vucevic was paid what twelve twenty five this year or something like that. I believe, yeah, I believe that's correct. So, if the salary cap was seventy-two this year, that's seventeen percent of the cap. Next year, it's going to be a ninety-two million dollar cap. He would <laughs> he would get paid fifteen seven in, in terms of twenty fifteen dollars and twenty sixteen dollars. That is still I, to me like for the production Vucevic gives you and expecting to be your starting center. That is still being woefully underpaid. And like even, we're talking about Evan making eighteen. <laughs> Yeah, and, and and here's the thing, and this is what I think is maybe uh, maybe a good idea, and we'll probably talk more about it later. But if with that value in the contract, 
is you know is it possible that maybe Vucevic would accept a bench role because he might be better suited, especially with Matt with Orlando's current bench depth on there. I mean that I mean I think maybe that contract ends up helping him out in the fact that he might be willing to put his ego to the side and it might he might take a bench role because of it's not it's not you know he's not being a franchise player with that pay. Yeah, and that may and that's certainly a possibility that uh, that we can talk about uh, as as we move on and, and get into kind of more of the specific moves the the Magic might try and make this this summer. Uh, but you know, I think the first place to start and and he hinted at it a little bit was the the big change on the bench. Uh, you know, you you know you you noted that that you need a, a calm presence on the bench. You need someone who's gonna drop a play to, to get them a good shot or, or to give give the team confidence. You know, Scott Skiles isn't known as a great X's and O's coach. He's certainly better than what the Magic had, and, and I think they ran Absolutely. a better... They certainly, statistically, I, ran a much better offense than they did the last three years. Yeah. Uh, as as well as, you know, did a little bit more of the of smarter things. They were actually able to inbound the ball uh, for the most part. Um <laughs> yeah. Which is a direct, uh, honestly, is a direct reflection of the of, of the coach and being able to coach. execute an inbounds play. Uh, yeah, some of those some of those shock bond inbounds plays, I'm still oh, just like, my goodness. just like That's there's, nightmares. There's, there's, there's I, no one. Um, I love you, Jock. I love you. Yeah, he he'll he'll be good. He'll be good in Brooklyn uh, as as an assistant, as the lead assistant. But uh, but back back to back to the point at hand. Um, did, can can Frank Vogel provide maybe some of that leadership from the bench where? You know, certainly the Magic need a veteran and need a, a veteran who's contributing, but does 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 he provide enough to kind of counteract that or to uh, to to give that benefit that the Magic need even before we get into to bringing in new players? No, I, I certainly don't think that he'll provide all of it, and I don't think you can expect him to provide all of it. But I do think that with his track record of success, that he certainly brings a lot more. He commands a lot more respect from the players than Scott Skiles did. And from what, from everything I've read and seen from Frank Vogel with the Pacers, it seems like he's certainly a player's coach and that these players are going to like him a heck of a lot more than they like Scott Skiles. So I, I think that there's a certain level of, you know, X's and O's. I, I'll be honest from what I am, what I've seen from Indiana uh, fans is they, his X and O's aren't the strongest suit for Frank Vogel. And, you know, maybe it's because he lets his offense freelance a little bit. Maybe that's because Paul George wanted to be Paul George. Um, but I, I think it'll certainly help. And I, I think the biggest thing that's going to help is the defensive end, which is what Scott Skiles was supposed to do. But I, I think under Frank Vogel, your difference really is going to be that those defensive stops that will come more often will di- immediately directly turn into points. And that's what I think the Magic need to do. They don't have a fantastic – like currently – and the roster may be due for a huge change. But currently, they don't have great half-court players. Yeah. But I think they have a lot of great athletes and a lot of great guys that are – like, you know, good passers. Like, Oladipo is a pretty good passer for shooting guard. Mario Hazonia has got some of the best vision I've ever seen – uh, creativity and vision that I've ever seen. It's maybe the, you know, the actual, I guess – act of the past doesn't always get there, but the creativity and the idea behind it is, is really special. And Aaron Gordon himself, he get, him being able to bring up the ball is huge. If he can just learn how to throw passes in the pocket a lot better, I mean, that could be a, a scary open court team. Yeah, I, I, I definitely uh, agree there. Um, I think, 
you know, the, uh, and Skiles came in saying they, they wanted to, to, to pick the pace up and, and, and get out and transition and turn defense into offense. And, and they never quite were able to do that, uh, you know, for a number of different reasons. One of them being the defense didn't improve. Yeah. At, I mean, it improved as far as they went from, what, 25th in defensive rating to 17th. So they, rate, they, they jumped up about 10 spots, you know, to, to have a somewhat average defense for over the course of the season. Uh, but they, you know, didn't improve enough uh, or to the level that, that you expect from a Scott Skiles team. Um, Absolutely. And, and I think some of the that reputation that he has. It's probably his worst defensive rate. I mean, it certainly I, yeah, was his worst as a coach. defensive rating. I mean, if, and you look at the raw number, the Magic's defensive rating only improved by one-tenth of, one-tenth of a point per possession. So it wasn't yeah, – it, was, it, was it was a ranking improvement, but not an not a yeah. actual improvement. Yeah, especially like if you like the Sixers last year, I think we're 16th in defensive rating, and yeah. they started Jaleel Okafor at center. I mean, man, I don't, I don't know how well, how good they feel the, about the, it. The, the Sixers, the Sixers, uh, you know, yeah. weren't, weren't trying yeah. to win very many games this year. No, um, they were. No, they were not. <laughs> um, they, yeah, they, they certainly were not. Uh, so you know, let's 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 you know, so we're you know we're sitting here now. It's you know we're recording this uh, on June 4th, uh, evening of June 4th. Um, and you know, June is about, you know, we'll start hearing some trickles, some, some whispers about who the magic are working out. Uh, I, I do, I do know they have been working out, got working out players. No, they aren't telling anybody who they're working out because they're the magic and that's, that's how they operate. <laughs> um, so, you know, you see other teams like publicize their draft workouts and, and make them available to the media. The magic don't do that. So we're just going to be sitting in the dark until, you know, until someone leaks, someone leaks something, or, or a prospect says, "Oh, I worked out for the Magic on Thursday while they're they're chilling in, in Milwaukee." Um, you know, those those kind of things. That's how we'll that's how we'll get our rumors and figure out who the Magic are at least looking at. But um, uh, the first the first stage of this off season is obviously the draft. Um, you know, you 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 laid out kind of two plans in, in your off season manifesto. And the first one's one that I've kind of thrown out there to a few people. I know I started kind of trumpeting, like maybe this is what you do with the pick. Uh, the prospect of, of trading the, the number 11 pick. What, I, what, what, what is the best? I mean, I, and, and, and David, our writer, David Ivanowski uh, wrote about this as well. How do you approach this draft if you're the Magic, knowing that the goal is make the playoffs in 2017? Well, I mean, and I haven't done an overextensive amount of research on the draft, the, you know, the players that'll be around in the draft at that time. I've done uh, like you know probably good you know double digits, ten, twenty guys now. But at that area, man, I don't really think you're getting too many players that are going to help you this year at all. So I, I yeah. honestly don't know if any of them are above replacement for what the Magic have now, and that's not really saying much. Uh, so I think that trading the eleventh pick makes a lot of sense. The question is. Are you trading the 11th pick to swing for the fences, or are you going to trade the 11th pick for you know just trying to add maybe a veteran role player that helps the team? And I think that swinging for the fences is something that I, I was a lot more confident about when Scott Skiles was coached, because I don't think Scott Skiles wanted to have anything to do with another yeah. young player on the team. Um, he was, was, was going to wait through another 40-win season. And say, exactly. And say, oh, five more wins. That's that's good step. Like he, he wasn't doing that. He, he wanted a team that – Everyone agree. I mean, I think, and I think this is ultimately why Skiles resigned. The Magic wanted to still play things a little bit slow, and Skiles was like, "You need to get me a 40, 45, 47 win team next year to make the playoffs. I'm not going to sit through another year not making the playoffs." 
Yeah, and uh, Scott, that's why you don't have a job anymore. Wait, wait, sorry. That's not what happened in Milwaukee, too. Oh, oh sorry. Yep. <laughs> I just got myself all tripped up here. Um, yeah, I, and I think that's uh, it, it's probably unfortunate the way that things ended for Scott Skiles because he talked about, I think, in his release something about – or maybe it was a, it was a leak by May Waj and that he was afraid to lose his job as soon as – like uh, two months after he got hired that he became like afraid that he was going to lose his job and – I mean, if you really thought about that, I mean, and granted, I, I'm under the impression that Alex Martins had a very heavy hand in playing with hiring Scott Skiles in the first place, but I, I feel like it doesn't, how do you take a job, even if you kind of want at the time, thinking at the same time, well, if I don't get what I want as far as wins, or if I don't get what I want as far as players here, like, I, I'm probably going to get fired, and I'm afraid of it. And it's, I, I feel like you can't be a successful coach being afraid to be fired if you don't get things the way you want them done. And I just – it seemed like, you know, a couple of things you've seen after he was fired, it seems like it was pretty much doomed to fail from the start, which, you know, and I kind of felt that way, but for different reasons at the start, and it just kind of stinks that it came to fruition. And now it's kind of better because he got Frank Vogel, but it stinks that the Magic had to waste the season. Because it really is hard for players to adapt to another brand new system. Yeah. Uh, for what three years in a row we've got brand so new be, systems. This will be the fourth coach in three years. Yeah, it's not it's not a pretty banner to hang up. So I mean, I'm, in, I'm including Borrego in there, of course. Yeah, yeah, and he he got a couple of good looks this offseason as a head coach too, and I think suppose yeah, Magic one of them. But yeah, he was he was really really nice guy. Yeah. Um, but I mean, hopefully Frank Vogel, and I, I believe he will be, will be the coach of the Magic for a pretty long time. I think past one contract, which <laughs> obviously for a recent, that's going to be an improvement. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously it would be. And you know, I, I, I don't want to call. I mean, I don't want to call it a wasted, wasted year because I do think the Magic made some, made some significant steps forward, um, in, in, in some ways, and, and otherwise they didn't. But uh, I, I, I think that. It always felt like an unnatural fit, especially for everything Rob Hennigan has preached since becoming the general manager. Uh, Skiles is a win now coach, and the Magic, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think we all agree last year was the season they were supposed to have in 2015. Yep. So you know, they're, they're a year. If if you're if you're creating a schedule for the Magic, they're really a year behind. And so this is the year they're supposed to make the playoffs. So I mean, I, I, I don't think they're far off where they want to be, where they wanted to be when they conceived this this rebuild idea. Uh, but Skiles is the kind of coach that, you know, and I, I'm using this analogy more and more now, as I've thought about you know how he how he approached his job and, and how he approached the team. And this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but for where the Magic are at, it's not a good thing. He doesn't see the forest for the trees. He cares so much about winning the game in front of him that it does it. It ends up costing him his team later on down the road, and it does cost him players that could contribute later on down the road, yeah. and and doesn't produce a long term sustainable product. He he cares about teaching how to win and only and by and does that by winning individual games and then winning the second game and then winning the third game. It's not about, you know, we need to learn how to win games now, but also keep in mind that there's a larger goal in place and that it's a multi-year journey to get there. Like he, you probably couldn't bug him about the 2017 season. Like you, I mean, you ask him any questions about the future of the franchise, he'd be like, I'm, I'm just worried about today. I'm just worried about this yeah. game or, 
you ask him, you know, about, you know, if you're trying to do like an advance for a road game and you ask him about the next opponent, he's just like, I'm, I'm just worried about tonight's game. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to worry about them or I haven't been paying attention to that. Like I've been worrying about my team. Like he probably, you know, and, and I don't know how abnormal this is, but you know, he, you know, didn't, you know, probably isn't as familiar, you know, probably wasn't as familiar in season with some of the college prospects as, as you might, as you might like, because, you know, the draft is still an important part of how the Magic want to build. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think, I, I mean, I, I agree with you that a lot of the prospects, and, and we'll get into a few of them uh, in a little bit, aren't NBA ready. They're not guys that are going to come in and contribute right away. Um, at the same time, I think with the 11th pick, you don't need someone that's going to be a starter right away either. Um, so, you know, you're looking yeah. at guys who, who can contribute off the bench and maybe go into a starter or who's going to fill a role. And I think that's the big approach the Magic need to take to this draft. But at the same time, if there's no one that enamors you uh, or you're looking to – or an opportunity comes to add someone that can help now, um, you, you, may, you trade the pick. You definitely – I think – I think more than any other year the Magic have been in the draft. Um, trade them now, yeah. Th- this, is, this is the year where I think they'll really look to trade the pick or they'll really consider trading the pick. I have to agree with that for sure. And I think being 11th in this particular draft, which I find fairly weak compared to the other yeah. ones. As, there's, as there's, no Miles Turner to, there's no Miles Turner to love. Yeah, exactly. And even if you look at the supposedly weak Victor Oladipo draft, I mean, I, I liked a lot more prospects in that draft than I've liked in this one so far. So I, I think that that's probably a larger you know, part of the reasoning as to why they would be looking to move this pick too. Yeah. Um, you know, we've, you know, I, you know, I, I, I've talked a lot about, and I think a lot of magic fans have about the potential of trade going big and trying to hit a home run with the, with yep. the trade in this draft. And, and I think yep. we'll talk about that uh, as we transition a little bit more into the next phase of things. Uh, but, you know, while, while, while you're talking, I thought, you know, maybe the play is you trade down in the draft, get a veteran player uh, and, you know, a pick in the twenties for a lot. Yeah. Would, would that be something? I mean, that could be something you look at too. Oh, absolutely. That's it's not just about trading. To me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you could snag a role player, and just still snag a young player to throw on your bench. And at that point, you can draft somebody based entirely on potential, and you're not really missing yeah. out on anything. And park them so in here if something... you need to. Like, I mean, I've had a lot – I mean, yeah. we can get we can Thon get into Maker. a little bit of the draft prospects. I've had a lot of people say, oh, could the Magic pick Thon Maker at 11? Yeah, exactly. Like, yep. No. <laughs> of course it was. I'm yep. not taking Thon Maker at 11. At 22, yeah. and, I get, and I've got a veteran on my bench, that's it's when you start thinking power. about Thon Maker. That's when you start yeah. thinking about Thon Maker. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Definitely not 11, but if you're saying 21 and we added some more value, it looks a lot more palatable that way. Yeah. Um, so, so you know, so you know, we, we brought up we brought up Fawn, and we won't dive into him because I don't think he's an option 11. Um, you know, obviously, uh, option one is trade the pick. Option two is keep the pick. Um, before we, you know, I think we want to want to deal the ho- deal with the home runs uh, a little bit late, a little bit later as we transition to to the to the summer portion of things. Uh, who I mean, you've you've said you've done a little bit of study. I've done a little bit of stu- studying. I've got a piece of, uh, for fan sided coming up in a little bit about the top guys. Uh, what are your thoughts on this draft? Who who do you, who do you like, and, and what about them do you think uh, adds something to the team? So I mean, for the guys right now, I don't think he'll be there. But uh, Pearl from Utah, I, I think is probably by far the best center prospect. 
in this draft, and I think he's ready to play right now as opposed to most of the other guys. Um, I just – you see him. He's a big guy. He sets pretty solid picks. He's got a really nice post game. Doesn't have much range that I've seen. But he's a, he's agile, and I I, I just yeah. like the way that I like the way he moves around the court, and I like that he can score in deep. Um, he's still raw. He to me, and you can see a couple of times where he's just kind of out of control. Um, but I think a lot of that's just going to be coaching will help him a lot. Uh, other yeah. guys that people talk about, uh, Scal, Lavisier, 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 uh, I, I think it's pronounced. Yeah, yeah. Uh, woo, man, that's it's uh, to me. That's it's, a project. It's, it's Son Makerian where you're looking at like, man, you're hoping this guy booms because there's a lot of bust potential. And uh, again, another guy where, uh, as far as I'm aware, he hasn't played high-level basketball for very long. So there's lots of no. – it, it's kind of like I think Dwayne Dedman only started playing uh, college ball in his senior year of high school. And you're looking at those guys, and Dwayne Dedman's obviously still learning to play the game, uh, effectively learning how to play on the court. But um, – I just think that you're looking at a guy that, yeah, he might be a very, he might become a very decent uh, defensive center because he's very agile, very agile, and maybe it's because he's like 216, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But he could definitely, there's definitely defensive potential there. Um, Devontae Davis, I don't, I don't see it. I don't. Everyone loves him, and everyone's telling me that he's he's great and awesome. I, I and this is not offense to Deontay Davis, but like I. I'm not seeing it. I, that everyone's like, oh, he's a great rim protector. And I'm like, that, not, I, hmm, I just don't – not buying that one so much. Uh, Henry Ellenson is a name that someone's brought up. And, man, I watched yeah. Henry Ellenson, and I was convinced that this dude's not going to be in the NBA for very long. And I'm not trying to throw shade at Henry Ellenson. I wish him the best, and I hope he proves everybody wrong. But that defensive Henry Ellenson's going to have to become Ryan Anderson. He has to be able to be a knockdown three-point shooter – and I mean absolute knockdown. Like you're talking like 39% on a high volume because that defense is atrocious. And that I don't yeah. see. I don't. I don't see any amount of training getting that agility and that level of effort. And just he just doesn't seem to get it on the end at all. And I just he's like one of those guys. Uh, someone said Luke Babbitt to me, and I was like, man, if he was Luke Babbitt, that would be a compliment because I don't <laughs> see. I don't even see that happening. Uh, Damanis Sabonis is another guy I've seen, and I love watching this dude play. And I think he's a gamer, and I think he'll do as a, a pretty good backup center for his career. It's just his frame is a little bit small for me. Scott, he's got uh, no ceiling. Yeah, and it, it stinks because I think if you're looking for a backup center, he's going to be good. I still think his defense is going to hurt him a little bit. He's a good rebounder and a good scorer, um, but his defense is just something that I don't think will translate very well. Uh, to the NBA game. And then one guy that I actually like a lot better than most people is Damian Jones from Vanderbilt. Oh, really? Dude, absolute project. There's not even, without a doubt, absolute project. But he's got, to me, he's got that DeAndre Jordan build. And I don't Mm -hmm. think I'd want to take him at 11. I think he's one of those guys that you trade down a couple picks for, like you were talking about earlier, and maybe target him. But he's just got that really insane, fluid athleticism, and he's got a big body, and he just glides and you know, in the classroom, he's a really smart guy. I think he's got an engineering degree out of Vanderbilt right now. Uh, and, but the thing on the court is you see him, and he's not necessarily as quick-witted on the court as he is uh, off the court. But, like, I think if you coach this kid up, he could be a pretty decent NBA player. And I think he has the potential to be a the kind of rim-protecting, pick-setting, rolling, pick-and-roll big that you kind of want as an NBA starter uh, these days. And, you know, it'll take a couple of years to coach out of him, but... 
he's just one of those guys that I think if you're looking for a player that may, might work out, uh, he's one of them. And people talk about Marquis Chris, and I studied him, and I loved it watching him play. Uh, I think he's played himself. I think he's hyped himself out of the magic range now. Yeah, I think, uh, so, I think he has too. And uh, he reminds. I mean, he's 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 kind of like Aaron Gordon, which absolutely. which would be the absolutely. part that. That would worry me if, if the Magic were to take him, but but he looks like a really really interesting prospect with a lot of athleticism. Um, I think I think there's a, a general undercurrent though, and all the players that, that you're looking at, and, and all the players the Magic might be looking at um, in the in this draft, and that's that's probably they're looking at drafting a center, uh, a backup, at least yeah. a, at least a, someone that can come in and and be a backup center and provide some room protection and possibly replace Dwayne Dedman, to be frank. Um, that, that that could be how they use this. Don't say that, Phil. Don't say I, that, I know, Phil. I know you're Dwayne, you, you love your Dwayne Dedman. And, but, the, I mean, the reality is, you know, you've got only so many minutes to give, and, and who knows what Dedman's going to make this summer. And um, He's a restricted free agent, so the Magic do have the right to match. Uh, but, uh, you know, if, if you're drafting a center here, you know, you've got another raw center project. You don't want two of those guys maybe on your bench. But, We'll leave that part to the side for now, but you know, I, I think I think your your analysis is is, is on. Um, I, I I do like Labissiere a, a little a little bit more. Um, obviously, he has the talent and the potential. He was I think projected to be a top five pick for most of the year, and just had a top really two, really bad even top, early yeah. on. He just had a really bad year at Kentucky. He just just didn't get comfortable, and I certainly think he would be better served going back to Kentucky. I mean, this is the problem of going to Kentucky, is you can't go back and yeah. get, but go back for a second year and get improvement. Like Willie, Ca- no, I mean Willie Cauley Stein is going to be the only exception to that rule. But and like, that's because of injury. If, I mean, that's the only yeah. reason too. And if like if Julius Randle went back to Kentucky, he wouldn't play because Carl Anthony Towns is there. I look at poor Alex po- uh, what Pothrius. Alex Poitras, yeah. He's, yeah, he's, he man, was a first-round pick he, as a freshman. Lotto pick. Lotto pick. Yeah. And then he came back. And, and he now, needed to go back. Yeah. It, well, apparently not. And that's that's the cruel— Well, no, no. He needed to go back for his skill development. But he, but you know, but financially it didn't make sense for him to go back because he, he would have been a first-round pick. It's and cruel. better players yeah. come in and displace those guys, and they have to play roles because coach, those coaches are judged by wins too. Absolutely. Yep. And it's like I say, Kentucky is a cruel place to play, man. You just, there's no coming back. You better be one and done or you're out of there. Yeah. And so, and so, uh, you know, so like a guy like Scal, a guy like Deontay Davis, they're, they're, they're projects, obviously they got a lot of development. I think the way, uh, Frank Vogel developed miles Turner last year and and Turner was better in college than both of these players. So I'm not saying they're going to be Turner, but um, I think the way he developed Turner over the course of the year was uh, is a good sign if the Magic are going to end up picking one of these guys. Do you um, hear that, Larry Bird? Do you hear that? Yeah, yeah. I think it's a good sign. <laughs> I mean, and, and we have to still see because most of – pretty much all of Vogel's staff is staying in Indiana with, with Nate McMillan. So yeah. uh, I, the, the big thing I'm a little bit concerned about with Vogel is, is working with an entirely new staff. Um, I imagine you'll keep at least one or two guys from the Magic's previous staff. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if like a, a Jay Hernandez or a Lalonde Prophet stays on the on the staff, and probably one of of uh, uh, Monty it's Mathis or, or Connor Henry um, as really well. But, me too. Seeing all the like, there's not been much on the coaching search, and because Nate McMillan just took over, and he's pretty well respected. 
uh, they didn't. Nobody wanted to leave. Nobody wanted to jump ship. Yeah. So like yeah. you're looking at Frank Vogel, and it wouldn't even surprise me if the Magic, like you said, keep a lot, the majority of the staff intact, just because there's not much to pick from, unfortunately. Yeah. And I, and I hope that's not the case. And necessarily, I love Adrian Griffin. Hope he stays, but I could totally see him jumping ship off to like Tom Thibodeau with the Wolves. But I, I mean, yeah, yeah. It, I, I'd like him too. But and that's and that's going to be an important thing to happen. I mean, I, 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 I'm sure it's being discussed, and I'm sure they're going to release it all on one on in one press release. So it wouldn't surprise me if he's got like two of four coaches picked out already and signed up and ready to go, and they're just waiting to fill out the rest of the staff before making any announcements. Uh, my understanding is that those decisions are still being made, so uh, you know they're kind of in that in that zone right now. Um, so yeah, so I mean, like, so back to the back to the draft picks. It, you know, it does seem like the Magic are, are gonna go big with this pick. Um, you know, do you do you have any set? I mean, what are your thoughts on a guy like uh, Denzel Valentine? You know, if you're going small, um, I think Valentine's a guy that that can contribute immediately, but probably not have a high ceiling he's pretty much what he is at this point um which is and you know like coming off the bench as a backup too i think is not a bad bad thing for him but i'm i I can talk myself out of him too and that's the thing i think you're looking at backup two minutes and you know uh to me for my money i I want mario hazonia playing all of the backup wing minutes Uh, and i don't really see the need to have uh, a Denzel Valentine because he's and the thing at Denzel Valentine is like he is definitely a backup player at this point and I don't really see him becoming more than a backup player for his career maybe he's that fifth guy on a winning team that's a starter but I just he's don't see Lee. exactly and that's exactly the kind of play the kind of role kind of I mean not the skill set exactly but the kind of role I see him playing in and I don't think it's necessarily something the Magic need right now. I think if you're going to pick a wing, uh, uh, Timoth Luwawu, uh, I mean... Timothy Luwawu? Yeah, I, I feel like Just... that's one of those boomer bust picks where you stash... Where you, you don't have to stash exactly, but he you, you kind of just probably eerie him. You probably throw him in eerie, you let him learn. But I, see, I think that the ceiling's better for that pick. A lot better. And And honestly, if I'm looking at... <sighs> Wings. I'm not as convinced of wings at this point as I am of a backup point guard to add to the competition. Sure. Like sure. Wade Baldwin, Demetrius Jackson. If you want to maybe reach Tyler Eulis, I think it's a little bit sure. of a reach, and I don't think they need a. I don't think they necessarily want a small point guard. But yeah. I think wing is probably least of your concerns right now because I think between Mario, Victor, and I believe they'll retain Evan because I do think they really like Evan, and I think Evan did try to become the leader of that team. Um. And that's going to make it hard to part with him, honestly, if if if, I, if that feeling is correct. But um, I feel like backup point guard, just because C.J. Watson was hurt last year, didn't play particularly well when he got a chance. Alfred Payton slumped for the majority of the season due to injury and maybe confidence, Scott Skiles, all that. So I think you know adding more to the point guard competition is definitely not a bad idea. I, I like I said, I think wing is probably just the least pressing concern right now for the Magic. I I, I mean I agree. I think finding a a you know like and we'll. We'll talk about this. I know. I know you're chomping at the bit to talk about this, but you know they, they probably <laughs> need to start trying to figure out the, the Nikola Vucevic question because um, yeah. I think we all. I think. I mean, uh, Nikola Vucevic is a, is a is a good player. He can contribute on a team. Absolutely. He, pro- Absolutely. he scores and produces, but it's tough to see 
winning a title with him as your starting center in today's NBA. He just doesn't have the speed or the ability to, to deter, deter people at the rim and keep them out of the paint on pick and rolls. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's, a lot of... And, and you're just and and the team is just not in a position to, uh, not in a position to give up on him completely without having his replacement in place. And so you start you, you draft a guy to be his backup that you're grooming to replace him eventually. Um, that that could be a sound strategy, or it could be just a you know we need a backup and we're willing to work and develop this guy while giving him you know minutes in this in this you know role. Um, so. Uh, you know that that could be the direction to to go uh, with with this pick with 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 the options that are available to them because it, it comes down to, to the to the next bit to the big question that you have in any draft do you draft best player available or do you do you draft need and and you know you you pretty much said with with the, like the Denzel Valentine situation you're set you're set on the wing with with Hizonia and with some of the options that you have already um, you got to think a little bit about your needs uh, here with this draft so you know you maybe you dip down and, and draft a guy like Wade Baldwin, who most people don't have going at 11 because you need a point guard. And I'm not saying the magic to draft Wade Baldwin. I'm just saying for instance, yeah. um, but, but you know, that's, that's kind of the, the, the dilemma you're with, you're at with any draft is best player available or need. And the magic of drafted best player available the last years. And, and generally, and tell me if you disagree with this. Generally, I think in any draft you take best player available because you can figure it out later. And I agree. I think in this particular situation, we're at the point where the magic, where Rob Hennigan specifically has to answer for all of the previous, we'll figure it out laters. Yeah. Um, and I think now that we're trying to figure it all later, figure it all later is now. And I think the draft might be one of those times where you see, well, yeah, we already have such and such here, such and such here. So we logically need to pick this guy, even if we have this guy rated slightly higher. I don't think it's the best way to conduct business necessarily. But I think Rob might be feeling a little bit on the hot seat after what's happened this past season with the coaching and with the trades that they've made. So I and I and who's to say that you know maybe they'll get lucky and it'll just be a combination of both. And no doubt that no matter who they pick, if they pick, they're gonna play it off that that's what it was. But yeah. we, we'll definitely see. We'll definitely see. And I think we'll be able to tell when you see who they draft. If they draft Enzo Valentine, they clearly went best player available. I don't think there'll be any doubt about that. If, if they draft Denzel Valentine, they okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, sorry. Uh, so I guess I mean that I mean you, you talk about the pressure, you, you talk about all, all, this, that, and the other thing. Um, that that gets you to, to kind of the main event uh, that most people see with this draft, or that most people want to happen with this draft, and that is going for broke, trying to get into the market for distressed properties. Uh, yeah. We've talked about Jimmy Butler um, since February. It seems like. People want to talk about DeMarcus Cousins. People want to talk about Paul George, who I don't think is on the trade market. I don't even think Jimmy oh, Butler's gosh, on the trade market please. anymore. Um, I would now. You know, do you try and package the pick with some of these core guys to start making decisions on guys to get that star player that you couldn't get in any of the drafts that you were involved in? Uh, you know, I it hurts because as a fan, I've been watching – these young guys and I'm very invested in all of their successes in the NBA. So it's hard for me to say, Hey, I think we should trade Victor Oladipo and Nikola Vucevic and more picks for like Jimmy Butler, because I'm sitting there. I'm like, 
well, I, I'm kind of blinded, and I want to be like, well, I think Victor Oladipo can be almost as good as Jimmy Butler in the future, and then if you added Nick Vucevic picks, it's probably not worth it. But I, I do think that as far as a selling point to other guys that you do want, I think that if you were able to acquire one of these distressed assets, I, I think it, it's a huge selling point if you're able to acquire one of these guys to another free agent because you go – Look, it. we may not have been good last year, but look what we just did. We've got this guy, and the entire dynamic of the team has changed. And you add Frank Vogel into that, I mean, that's it's a much stronger place to be when you're selling to other free agents, I think, if you swing for the fences. The problem is if you swing for the fences and then you, have, you get the trade done, but then you miss on the rest of it, everything might just come crashing apart, and that's you've, the risk you've, you're you've taking. You essentially push all your chips to the table – and yeah. someone, someone, you know, catches the called your the, bluff, yeah, yeah, or the, yeah, I was, yeah. Um, essentially, that's that's what it is. It's, it's. I mean, you look at what happened in Phoenix and what they did. Yeah, they it's signed perfect. They 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 signed Tyson Chandler, brought him to the meeting to get Lamarcus Aldridge, and Lamarcus Aldridge, you know, and and you can look this up. I think he I think he did a long interview with with Woj, talking about yeah. his free agency. Second choice, I think he, he said. The he sun, said right? Yeah, he said Phoenix wasn't even on his radar until they got Tyson Chandler, because Tyson Chandler was the kind of guy he wanted to play next to. Play with, yep. Or play, yeah, play with, because he, he yep. doesn't consider himself a center, which in this day and age is, is kind of sad. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but he, but in San Antonio, he gets away with it because Duncan, but Duncan can play center, or they have, you know, they have guys who can play that position. Yeah. Um, but. Um, the, the but the, getting those big name free agents, you may not always get the guy that you want, it, but it puts you in the conversation. And I think That's the big concern, yeah. And, and I think the big concern most Magic fans have, and it's a good, it's a fair and proper and right concern with the with the way the plan's kind of laid out now, with with them clearing up all this cap room, is do they have enough to get a big free agent? You know, Al Horford. <sighs> Yeah. Especially with the cap going up and everyone having max cap space. Max cap space doesn't mean much. The Magic potentially have two max slots. So yeah. they've got to, you know, if they go into free agency with virtually the same, with, without making any changes, they've essentially got to um, sell two free agents at the same time. Exactly. And get them to come together. And it happened in Miami and it happened for the Magic in 2000, but it doesn't happen very often like um, in that those guys those guys want to win and and Bo, and Frank Vogel said it when he was asked about free agency most guys in free agency they just want to win and so you got to convince them that you're the best place for them to do that yeah and i think that's the really tough selling point the magic have because everything they'll be selling this offseason to a free agent will be well we're selling you the unknown uh and you can't sell them on wins because they don't have that in the track record so you're just keep selling well, this is what we could be, and this is what we're hoping we'll turn into, and that's a not—it's not an easy sell. And you know, it's good that the Magic tried to get Paul Millsap last year, and that he—it was—they were unexpectedly competitive. Um, but I think that. But they, that but he, of, at the end of the day, he used them for leverage because they—they offered it, him, they offered him the max, they offered him as much as they could offer him, and yeah. and I think most of us agree he would have been perfect on this team. He would have been that leader oh, that the goodness. team needed. Perfect. Um, and he would have led by example. And, and he could have yeah. carried the team. 
and it could. Yeah. I mean, that what last year was his best season ever, as far yeah. as I'm I'm concerned. And man, I do we feel not so great about missing out on that. And I, but I think that last it's, year, it's not, but it's 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 not even like like a lot of people, you know, say, oh, the Magic missed out on him. It's it's really unfortunate. But it's just, but at the same time, it's like they really didn't miss out on him because. They offered him as much money as they could. They did everything yeah. they could to, to convince him to go. And he it's took just, less money and less years to stay in Atlanta because they had a the better chance of winning. And I, I think, you know, all things yeah. all things being equal, you, every, a lot of people probably make that decision. It's true. And I really think that, and hopefully it's not, but that could be a precursor to this offseason. And that's what I think people need to be very wary about this offseason when they're like, well, the Magic should just get this and this and this and this. And it's like, you know... This and this doesn't really work for guys like Al Horford, because uh, Al Horford is almost thirty years old. Uh, he might even already be thirty years old. Twenty nine. I think. I think. He's I, think he's, he I think he turns thirty either early in the season or in the off season. And he's. I can. We can check that. Yeah, and he's like, you know, he's got one, two contracts left in him, and probably only one really big contract left in him, and he probably wants to win, and he wants to be an integral part of a winning team, and the Magic aren't probably his best option for that right now. So you're going to have to try to sell him on, like I said, the unknown. And if he says no, then you're looking guys like Harrison Barnes in the face. And that is not something I hope comes to pass, even though the Magic don't have a true small forward. There's better options. Yeah, or I mean, and and we talked a little bit about this off the air before we we came on. Um, It's... It's getting to a point where the Magic have to start taking some risks to take the step yeah. forward that they want to take. Um, they've been biding their time. There's no doubt about it. They've just been kind of patient and, and waiting. And you know, a, a lot of I think a lot of us who watch are saying, you know, the Magic are making the right right decisions. They're trying to be patient. They're trying to grow progressively, just get better every year. Um, you know, eventually you'll you'll either plateau or, or reach or reach the pinnacle. Um, yeah. But fans don't think that way. Businesses don't no, think that no. way. They, they, it, this four years ties the longest the Magic have been out of the playoffs. If they miss the playoffs next year, it will set a franchise record for longest time out of the playoffs at five years. And that's yeah. you can tell with, with Alex Martins, it doesn't sit very well with them. And while I think the business is very good, and, and this year was very, very was was very good for business. Um, you know, they are definitely feeling some pressure and you can hear from fans how restless they are. Um, you know, they don't want to hear, you know, the, the general fan, you know, the guys, the, the bread and butter guys that you need to fill the stadium every night. They don't want to hear about, you know, cap space or, or, or whatnot <laughs> yeah. if, if you can't deliver on it. They don't yeah. want to hear, you know, we're developing, you know, for too long. People want this team to start winning. And it's a mentality that I think that the, the, the top of the organization has – I think it's a mentality fans want to have, and that's that's going to put some pressure on this rebuild to the point where they're going to take. I think they're going to end up, you know, having to overpaying. Take I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, you know, I think they'll overpay for guys because of Me too. who they are. Like the, the the advantage that they have over a team that might give them might give a might give a free agent a better chance at winning is we're going to pay you more than those guys. Absolutely, and no and, state taxes, you know, so we're paying you yeah, more. More exactly. Um, and and you know Tennessee got Tennessee got rid of their uh, athlete tax, so that's even better. Um, that's even that's even more more money. Um, that story hasn't gotten enough play. That that 
that Tennessee's returning a, like a couple mil, like a couple hundred million dollars to, to athletes that have played in, in Memphis of late. Um, wow. Yeah, it, I don't, it's not a couple hundred million, but it's 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 a relatively significant portion. Like I think I think all the athlete taxes that they collected over the last year, they're they're paying they're they're re, re, repaying the players. That's pretty interesting. Um, uh, that could be very big for like Mike Conley, kind. Of, so that yeah, would, I don't know. Well, he's still he's still subject to state. Well, this is this is a complete aside. Um, you know, Memphis has an athlete tax. Um, it doesn't apply to players who play in state. They're they're all or players who work in state. Um, mm-hmm. They're still subject to Tennessee taxes as usual. Gotcha. Uh, but if you're a visiting player, you're subject to a special tax on the salary oh. that you make while playing in the state of Tennessee. So Whoa. like when the magic go to Tennessee, essentially everyone's game salary, whatever it is, is taxed at a certain rate and paid to Tennessee. Wow. I federalism, did not know federal, about that. Federalism is fun. Um, <laughs> especially for millionaires. Uh, so <laughs> that, that, that aside pushed, pushed away for now. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's, essentially it's, it's, it's not like a hotel tax. Like Orlando has the hotel tax that paid for all our wonderful venues. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, it, it taxing tax tax laws just a mess. Uh, uh, but um, back back to back to the point. Uh, you know, each player has his own wants and needs, and you know, there's there's a scale where you know money is less important than winning, and then you reach a certain number, and it's like, oh, that the money <laughs> is that money is a little too much to pass up, like. Like you know, when the Magic signed Channing Fry, whatever whatever you think of Channing Fry as a player and how things turned out, um, the Magic had to overpay him slightly to bring him in to to to, to get him to come to the team and provide whatever sure. it is they wanted him to provide. Sure. Um, that's going to be the case pretty much with anyone uh, that they that they bring in. I think they're going to have to be a very make a very competitive offer. Um, and by the way, that contract looks pretty sweet right about now so i mean yeah. obviously with some forethought from rob hennigan i think on that one even making it a de-escalating deal yeah uh, that was a pretty that wasn't a bad deal like i said you can say what you want about how it turned out i wasn't you know a huge no, fan no, of how not. it turned out <laughs> here but um he made some he tried harder a lot harder this year and i'm happy yeah. for his success in cleveland and he seemed like a really nice guy so hopefully he does well in Cle- i mean he's done well in cleveland hopefully they do better because i would like to see an upset that's not gonna happen but i love it yeah yeah, well, I'm I'm waiting for them to just go death lineup whenever Channing fries and so Draymond just, can just destroy. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah, yeah, they're, they're gonna it's gonna happen. It. I think they saved it, but but um, yeah. So I mean, times. yeah. So I mean, the the free agent. I mean, it 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 feels like if the Magic are gonna go after any of the big name free agents, they've got to do something at the draft to to get them there. To get yeah. them in the conversation, like there are, you know, Huffington Post had fun with this. They <laughs> yeah. found yeah. Uh, I, I, I retweeted it. We were included in yeah. it. Yeah. Pretty much every <laughs> t- every fan site that that covers it covers an NBA team has written something about Kevin Durant's free agency and him coming to their team. Uh, I found it ironic. I actually had had Brett, um, who used to write for us, uh, write that column. Because so many people were saying that the Magic are, should go after Kevin Durant, and I was just like, "Not with this roster, they aren't." <laughs> so that was, oh, a, yeah. that was that column was essentially supposed to say, "No, the Magic cannot get Kevin Durant unless they do these things, and those things are probably not going to happen." 
Um, <laughs> that, do, do, do the Magic make a phone call to Kevin Durant on July Absolutely. 1st at 12.01? Oh, gosh. Absolutely. You no get brand the no. Now. But, he get, no but he's going to say no. But he's going to say no. Um, so, yeah, thanks and, for your time. Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the Magic are, are, are targ- are, seem to be targeting Al Horford. Um, but I think most, I think a lot of us kind of feel like he's going to have his pick of the litter. And like, if Bo- like, barring What's... Boston doing something at the at the draft that negates their cap room, um, I, I don't Let's... see him like I, I I see Boston beating Orlando in any free agency conversation. Let's talk about Al Horford just for one second, sure, sure. because no, let's, let's I want to I want to point this out. So Al Horford, everyone wants to talk about Al Horford. The power forward. Al Horford is not a power forward. He's not a power forward. Al Horford has never been a power forward. Al Horford maybe says he wants to play a power forward. He Al was Horford when Jason Collins not. was there, but but he didn't. But he was not a power. He was not. I believe it was. I believe it was sixteen percent of Al Horford's career minutes have been at power forward. And in today's NBA, and just like you alluded to earlier with Lamarcus Aldridge, those guys are now centers. We have downsized in the NBA. That is what we have done. We have downsized. We want to be more athletic. And. Th- I just well, what are you going to do I with see, Aaron Gordon if, if Al Horford's your power forward? So, thank you. And I think that's the big question that the Magic fans have been – I have been talking about it on Twitter with many Magic fans for days. If you sign Al Horford, he cannot play next to Nikola Vucevic. That just isn't you – are, you are chaining Aaron Gordon to the bench. So you're going to stunt Aaron Gordon's growth because Nikola Vucevic is a better option – and, and letting Al Horford play power forward, you're, you're not going to run with that team, first of all. It's just not going to happen. And you're going to be – it's just – it'll be a disaster. I, and I really – and I've said this before, but if the Magic signed Al Horford with the intention of it play, him playing power forward next to Nikola Vucevic and they don't move Vucevic by this year, it would be a disastrous move. I, I just don't see it working. And I know that Brian Smith uh, – Smith, Earlier, he posted a column on that the Magic should look at. Yeah, hey, why not get Al Horford? And we should look after Ryan Anderson and Chandler Parsons to play next to Vucevic to compliment him. And I just stared at my screen blankly because what? Like, didn't we? We saw the Channing Frye experiment. I think we've had enough of that not working. And that's not a slight to Channing Frye. That's not a slight to Ryan Anderson or Chandler Parsons. That is a slight to their compliments to Nikola Vucevic as a player because that's not what's needed. And I think that if you're looking, our big question here is, do you trust Aaron Gordon's future more than you trust Nikola Vucevic's future? And I personally, based on skill sets, I trust Aaron Gordon's future a heck of a lot more. And it's funny coming from me because I was a giant Aaron Gordon detractor, about as big as you yeah. could find. Oh, yeah. But I trust his future. I remember the bat. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. I try to forget about that because that's embarrassing. <laughs> But I, I've learned, so I'll, I'll make sure I tone it down this year if we draft Thon Maker at 11. No, I mean, he's, I'll just... he's, he's, I mean like, there, like, there were, I mean, the Aaron Gordon pick caught everyone by surprise. There were legitimate I... questions about him, and, and he's, you know, he's certainly not fully developed, and he no, needs a, not. he needs a healthy NBA summer yesterday. Um, <laughs> and, and, like, he needs to, you know, he needs, to be healthy this summer and develop this summer and, you know, give, you know, have, be able to work the entire length of this summer. Um, Absolutely. 
on his game. That needs I think to happen. Huge. I, I think if he and does, he can take it'll a huge be huge. Yeah. He took a huge leap last year, and yeah. he did miss the entire summer. Before July. So imagine, Before July. <laughs> exactly. Imagine if he had an entire summer. I mean, I, I, the sky's the limit. He's not just guy. dunking so, at the 2K Studios, guys. He's he's working no. he's working his butt off. That guy works his somebody, butt off. Somebody was telling me earlier, you know, asked me, hey, do you think he'll ever be as good as Draymond Green? And I said, you know what? He might not be as good as Draymond Green. Probably won't be as good as Draymond Green. But that is not a slight to Aaron Gordon. Draymond Green is an excellent player as much as he may be annoying to, to watch play yeah. sometimes with some of his shenanigans. Gordon, but Gordon has more talent player. than Gordon has more it, talent than he has he, more he, raw could, he could be Draymond Green if he want if he wanted to. Like Absolutely. Draymond I mean everyone I mean Draymond Green is is in such a perfect situation too. Like he he, he can't fail. Yeah. If, if, I mean. Mark, if Mark Jackson were still the coach of the Warriors, Draymond Green would not be Draymond Green. Let's 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 no. remember Absolutely that. Not. Like all that yeah, you're right. Support <laughs> all like, yeah, the situ like being successful in the league is about talent and situation. You get put in the wrong situation, it doesn't matter how much talent you have. You know, yeah, you get a coach absolutely. that doesn't believe in you. Like if Mario Azonia had another year like he did last year with Skiles uh, as his coach, you, yeah. I mean, it, who knows if it could have worked? You know, I, you know. Do do I like? I think Darko Milicic is is the is the perfect example of this. Do I think Darko Milicic should have been the number two pick, even in hindsight? Uh, probably not. He probably yeah, was yeah. never going to be that good. But we saw in Orlando in the brief time that he, he was, was in Orlando, good. That he was he was, he was, he was legitimately an NBA, good player. He was an NBA caliber player. And yeah. the way Larry Brown treated the way Larry Brown coached him his first few years in the league just destroyed his confidence. Ooh, yeah. Destroyed his buy into the buy into teammates in, in some respect, and stifled his talent. Stifled what made him the number two pick to begin with. Yeah. Um, you know, if the Pistons drafted Carmelo Anthony, who the hell knows what would have happened? Carmelo Anthony could have been Nick Young. Like, and Carmelo's good. a good yeah. player. It's a good player, yeah, but really. you know, if you don't have a coach that believes in you, that gives you that chance, that that invests in your growth, and I think Mario did improve as the season went on. So I'm not worried about Absolutely. Mario. Absolutely. You know, it, he responded our big, well. Our big complaint with Skiles was that he didn't lengthen the leash. He didn't give him oh. a little bit more leash. He was very oh tight, gosh. very tight with the yeah. leash with him. But Hisonia showed flashes, and he looked fine in in, in spurts. Um, I think I think where perceptions about Hisonia having a bad season or being a bust come from is that the rest of his class just played really, really well. Um, oh, and but, oh, he didn't shoot well from three. Like, yeah, all right, well, there was times. Yeah. Fine. Like he didn't, have, anyone, he didn't have much latitude. He wasn't given the space to make mistakes. Yeah. Does anyone question that Mario Hazonia can shoot? I mean, I've seen the dude pull up from like four feet behind the line with ease and make those shots. I mean, it's really about routine. I think it was a con- I think it was a confidence issue. Um, I think he was. Sca- I think he was scared. I think he was a little. There were times. From games. There were times where he was visibly scared. Like he was yeah. not. You saw him not even try to run around screens or anything. He's just walking around on the court. But there were other times where you saw him and you're like, oh look, he's involved. Maybe it's an idea it would be to get him more involved because he looks very comfortable. Yeah. And he's very he's- good. I mean. He's very good on the ball in transition. We talk about guys who are good in transition. His his passing is what surprised me most this year. Uh, me too. He's a really gifted passer. Um, awesome. He's got to he's got to learn how to drive a little bit smarter and be stronger on the ball. But that's something normal for a rookie, especially one coming from Europe um, with with a little bit of a different style. Um, yeah. He's he's gonna be he's gonna be fine. He's gonna be a contributor. I don't know if he'll I, be a star, but he'll be a contributor on the team. 
I mean, yeah, I don't know if he'll be a star either, but I watch, you know, watching him play, I could still see the. He's the kind. Of, he's the kind of player you need in a starting lineup that spreads he, the floor and moves the ball. If he can inc- like improve his ball handling to a a very you know even above average, because right now I'd say his handles are pretty. I'd say they're below average, but if he can get his he's handles, very bad improve, in traffic. Yeah, he's gonna be a very big problem because he does have a first step. The thing is, he loses his control of the ball and spaces so easily. But if he can get that handle tight, I mean, I could see him going off in this league easily. There was, You'll there were some flashes last year, and that irrational confidence probably helps the flashes. But it's it's still it's very it's encouraging for me. Yeah, oh for sure. And and I, I'm I you know I was it's about the season I expected him to have. I expect him to be better next year, um, obviously, and and be a little more confident and sure. But um, you know we're. We've been going on for for a little bit more than for a little bit almost an hour now. Um, so I want to try and wrap things up. Um, you know, I think when it comes to free agency, uh, you know, we talk about you know the guys that they want to target. Um, you know, like adding some qual- some quality to the roster. But uh, you know, you're 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 essentially talking about bringing in new starters. And you know, like we said, that means you're making decisions on guys. And I think. You know, to, to wrap this up, I think the big thing we need to do, uh, or we need that that people need to talk that we need to talk about, you know, as kind of an, an organization or as, as Magic fans, is you know what do you do about these these big decisions, these big dilemmas you have with the roster? Um, you know, we we talked a little bit about um, the, the Nikola Vucevic question. Um, you know, he's obviously a productive center. He scores a lot. Some people think he's the best player on the team. But the real question, the real question is, yeah, I know. Um, it, it's, it's, it's probably Victor Oladipo, um, as inconsistent as he is, but we'll get to him in a sec. Um, yeah. but you talk about, uh, you know, Nikola Vucevic and, uh, you know, the question is, can you win with him as your center? Can you build a strong defense, a, a playoff caliber defense, let, let alone a championship caliber defense with him as your center? Uh, right. and if you can't, how do you manage? How do you manage that going forward, or how or how do you deal with it? Deal with him in that way. Um, I mean, does that a question need to be answered this summer? Can you go into the season with with Vucevic as your center, or do you continue to bide your time? Do you, you know, grab that center in the draft to be the backup that you're grooming to eventually replace? Him? Yeah, I mean, I think that if we're talking about winning now, uh, I think you do have to answer the question this year, and I would say that. He's not the starting center of the future for this team as, if, if they're winning. Uh, I think he can start, and I think he'll put up, he'll continue to put up numbers. But, you know, he's got issues on the defensive end and that people are like, oh, put a defensive power forward next to him. A, that means you're telling me that you don't think Aaron Gordon is going to be your power forward of the future, which I think is foolish because I think that I guy – I think that's foolish too. Yeah, that, that guy has – of the potential to be your franchise cornerstone. Nikola Vucevic, for all how great he is right now, and I don't want to call him great because he's not great. He's very good. Uh, but Gordon is going to – has the potential to blow him out of the water as a player and, and on both ends. So, I mean, I don't want to limit it. I mean, Gordon can be a game player on offense if he if he starts refining his game more. Uh, and the thing about Nick, like I said, I, the defense and pick and roll, you can't hide him. You don't – you can't hide bad big – you can't hide bad defensive players at all, really. Look at Kyrie Irving. He, he got can, picked apart. You can, you can hide them a, a little bit. It's tougher when it's the center. I really think it's it, tougher it's, when it's the center. It's way tougher when it's the center because they just involve you in pick and rolls. And they're like, make yeah. your decision. You're going to switch, you're going to go under. If that point guard can shoot 
they're going to shoot you out of the gym. If that point guard, I, and even for Nick, hesitation on the defensive end. Uh, and again, we talked about this earlier before too, but the trust in his teammates or maybe just the, just a slight hesitation in his defense, he drops back almost every time in the pick and roll to try to defend the rim. And he leaves the guy, the ball handler wide open for a mid-range jump shot floater, whatever it's going to be, every, like every time. And there are times where he'll he'll finally step up and he'll get blown right by. And it's just he doesn't have, I don't believe, the aptitude to be an effective starting center for a winning team. He is a perfect role. His perfect role is being a sixth man off the bench. You get to hide him against inferior players, and he will absolutely torture inferior players on the offensive end. I mean, you saw it last year in spurts when Nick came off the bench for Dwayne Dedman. Yeah. He absolutely just destroyed second units, and he kept the Magic second unit afloat almost by himself. So and I've I been, think that's and his I've, role. And I've been thinking about this more and more. He like he's really kind of on the level of, of Enos Cantor as yes, far as perfect. kind of value yeah. and role. Like Cantor has the same issues. He's he's a brilliant offensive player, but he is not good defensively. He doesn't have great. Uh, no. great lateral quickness, and and he's a guy that 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 the Warriors tried to pick apart on on occasion. Uh, yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, the, the, the you know the Spurs tried to go at him, and he actually did a good job against the Spurs. Like I, I give Billy Donovan a lot of credit for for uh, doing something with him defensively. Um, but that's probably more Vucevic's comparison than a starting center. And you look at how successful yeah. Cantor was. Cantor probably should have been Sixth Man of the Year this year. Um, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, perimeter player, you can, uh, perimeter yeah. player reward, unfortunately. Yes. It's, it's, it's who scores the most and looks the flashiest. Um, yep. but that's probably the value you're looking at for Vucevic or how a team is gonna, is gonna look at him, um, rightly or wrong, wrongly. Uh, you know, I think, you know, again, we saw how good this team could be with, with Deadman starting and, and getting meaningful minutes and him playing at a high level. Like, like, you know, you're, I mean, I know you're a big Deadman guy and, and it took, it took, you know, it definitely took me some convincing to it'll <laughs> still take me some convincing to believe that Deadman can start at center. Cause he's just not consistent enough to me, but when he's on, yes, the mat, I mean, we saw it even two years ago when, when they played him with Vucevic, when he's on and he's playing good and, and you can rely on him, he is, he makes the defense better and he makes the team better. Um, he's one less mouth to feed on offense. We're with the guy with a, with a, a group that has a lot and, of guys that need the ball, and that's uh, huge and, with that group. Yeah. Huge, yeah. And and they need like honestly, that's a big thing about where they're at in the draft. They don't need a, a star. Like when they drafted Mario Azonia, they needed a star. When they and and I I think Mario's a guy who can be successful without the ball in his hands too. Um, when yeah. they drafted Aaron Gordon, they needed a star. They needed someone that they could build around. When they drafted Victor Oladipo, they needed a star. They don't. I mean, they need a superstar still, um, and that will get to the next question, but they don't need another guy that it, that's going out there trying to score 20 points every night. Oh, um, no. Yeah, and so I guess the next question that the Magic may have to answer this year, and they probably do have to answer this, is, you know, they've got... Uh, Evan, they've got Evan Fournier's restricted free agency. They obviously have the right to match. Um, I think you and I both agree they probably will. What does that mean for the starting two-guard position, uh, especially if they're looking to add a free agent who's starting? Uh, what does that mean for Evan Fournier and Victor Oladipo? 
how do you make that determination uh, on and who should start, who's, who's quote-unquote the guy? Um, this... It's it's a big question. This, I mean, it's a huge it, question because yeah. Victor is not signing an extension unless you give him a max. And I don't think anyone, no, no. as much as we Why think Victor he? Oladipo can be a star, yeah, he's no one's ready to give him the max yet because because he essentially yeah. had the same season last year that he did the year before, except maybe a little yeah. bit better as an individual defender. It's, this is this question. It drives me nuts because I don't actually I don't have the answer. Like it's so. Yeah. Evan Fournier, Victor Oladipo, and Mario Zonia is such a deep backcourt, but none of them are like, none of them are really great NBA players yet. So you're like, I have to roll the dice. Who's going to be the guy? And I think that you have to match Evan out of the pure fact that I think he, I think he just you don't he like a guy like so that. well. You and you don't want a guy like that. The same reason. You it's can't. the same reason you, you had... matched. It's the same reason you matched Tobias. Like exactly. And you, if you have to, deal with it later. And I know it sounds dumb. Hey, deal with it later. But kick the can I, down the road. I just, yeah, I can't say you can't just let Evan walk. Like if you if you trade him at the deadline because the Pistons were talking about it or whatever, I I could have I could have easily gotten with that. Okay, we traded at the deadline. Now we're free. We know who we want to be our starting wing for the future. It's going to be Victor and it's going to be Mario. Uh, but it's just. It's such a tough question because I, I think Victor Oladipo was a better player last year than Evan Fournier was. I know people are like, oh, Evan Fournier is great. He's better. He scored so many points in this game. But everyone's always – it's always about the points for people. It's yeah. always about oh, yeah. the points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's not about the points, guys. It's not just about the points. Points points it's, matter, but it's not everything. It's not everything. Exactly. And I, I, I want you to look at defense. I mean, who ran the pick and roll better last year? I, I mean, I, Victor Oladipo ran the pick and roll better last year. I, there's not I, – I can't. I can't – and Evan, I was a proponent of letting Evan run the pick and roll more two years ago when he showed such a propensity to do it yeah. under Jock Vaughn. But I think Victor has proven that he's actually a very proficient pick and roll player, especially with that mid-range jumper coming along. Yeah, his and, 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 and I've, been, I've been sitting on this story since March. His, his mid-range jumper after – especially after the All-Star break, but he, overall, he was an above-average mid-range jump shooter. Like, yeah. Like he, it got – I mean – it got to the point where, like, okay, if he had an open lane and he's pulling, like, you know, when he goes left, he's pulling up for, for a jumper at the elbow. Yeah. Everyone knows this. Um, but it got to the point where he was making such a decent percentage of of shots um, in the mid-range yeah. that it was a quality shot. It wasn't a bad shot for him to take. Like, you yeah. want him getting to the lane and, and getting trying to get to the foul line more, which, foul, which is something yeah. he still has to improve on. But his ability to, to pull up and make mid-range jumpers – that stuff that's reserved for stars, um, and he yeah. was doing it well enough that you were like, okay, you know, you that is a that is a good shot for you. And and I and that's the thing, man. I, I feel like Victor, and you look at the defensive end specifically too. And and I think his defense was incredible. His defense was yeah. incredible last year. Yeah, well, it was great. Oh my gosh, there was a couple game streak. I think he guarded Durant and uh, I think Avery Bradley and somebody else in like a three game stretch. It was maybe it's Demar Derozan, and he was just shutting these guys down. And you're like, wow, like is this what Victor Oladipo is actually capable of on the defensive end when he's this zoned in? I mean, he was just doing an excellent job, standing in front of everybody, fighting over every pick, hand in the face. It was awesome. And I don't think Evan ever can do that ever. No. And I don't think and, Evan's and, a small forward either. And yeah, I, and, and if you look at and if you look at and if you look at Evan's splits, he struggled when Victor wasn't on the floor and he was playing the two. Um, that's you know that's huge that, that was that was. That was something that happened too. Like you can't ignore yeah. those those stats either. 
and it was um, a huge thing. Evan, and it was weird because Evan played so good at the shooting guard the year before without Victor. Yeah. And you know, and I don't know why or what or if it was the system or whatever, but it it happened. And like I said, I think Evan, uh, I don't want him playing small forward of the future. I think he's too small, and I think Frank Vogel referred to length as part of being a huge thing in defense. Evan does yeah. not bring much length for a small forward. Unless he's size. at the two, but he's not quick enough to, to play the two. Uh, exactly. Uh, sometimes. So, he's so that's I mean, what, Evan's, that's Evan's a weird, is a weird fit. He's a tweener for sure. And, and you're going to have to pay to keep him, obviously. Uh, you know, you can't ignore that too. Uh, that's. Yeah. And that's, I, that's I think you, I, I, it's good for Evan though. Uh, I, I, I think that, he is definitely a sixth man in this league as a wing player. Sure. And I think that he's really good at small forward, especially if you can bring him off the bench because his size doesn't hurt him so much. And he does abuse other small forwards because he is faster and quicker than those other small forwards. So I think that's his role. I don't think it will be his role with the magic. I, I don't see Evan being on the magic anymore where he comes off the bench. I, I think if he starts coming off the bench, I think he's more likely to be traded before he comes off the bench with the magic. Yeah. And I think, and I think, I mean, that's, that's generally the problem too. Like, and and it's and it's not a bad thing necessarily. Like, like I mean, whether Victor Oladipo is a star or not is certainly something that's up for debate. Absolutely. But you can't you can't blame him or the Magic for trying. No, no. You can't you can't blame them for looking at him and saying, "We believe you can be our star. Let's give no. it a shot." He's got flashes, man. There's been, yeah. there have been many flashes yeah. where you go, oh wow, I mean, there we go. It's, it's not to the point where you may, the Magic have made a mistake giving him the try. Now, last year was the year they really wanted him to take that step, and he he didn't quite take that step consistently. Yeah. Uh, so now you're going into another year where essentially you're asking him to to do the same thing, um, and so. You know, you're getting to the point where you got to make a decision on him and say, okay, is he our star? Is he not our star? Uh, how, you know, when do you move on from him? Um, that's certainly a question that gets thought up now. Um, and you're probably you're probably not at that point yet, but you're getting there um, yeah. because I mean, I think Hennigan said it said it well at at his exit interview. Typically, by the end of that rookie contract. You know you who know. the player is in this league, and next year yeah. is the last year of Victor's rookie contract. Yep. Um, you're gonna know. Like Vucevic has hit the end of that rookie contract, you know who he is. Exactly. And, and Fournier yep. has hit the end of that rookie contract. You, you, we, you about know who he is now. Um, you know, Victor. You know, it's a big question about Victor Oladipo, and and you know, it's one we all think he can answer. We all think he can become the star. Um, he's shown plenty of flashes of it. Uh, and you don't want to give up on that too quickly, uh, but you know at some point you gotta you gotta make make the call. And and yeah, so maybe you know maybe it's this summer, maybe it isn't. That's 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 the that's the question before Rob Hennigan. It's, it's doesn't matter. I do not want. I would not want to be in Rob Hennigan's position this off season because I I feel like it's a lot of work. It's summer. a lot of big decisions. I mean, I, exactly. His job his job is this summer. His, this, exactly. whole rebuild, yep. this whole it's rebuild, this whole rebuild. I mean, they can this they can kick they can probably kick it down the road for another year, um, but the next two summers are the rebuild. And I think the fans and are, they can't they can't make any mistakes now. They can't take steps back. 
and that's the thing. I think a lot of it is going to be fan reception because I think the fans want big moves, and I just don't know if the Magic can pull off big moves. And I think it will. It's going to reflect really badly if he doesn't. And I think that potentially ownership and Alex Martins will be like, "Hey, look what happened. Uh, we need somebody to be the fall guy." And the, yep. Rob's probably that, your fall guy. That's how it goes. That and that's how it goes. Um, yeah. So. Before we before we close out here, we've obviously hit on a lot of different issues. Um, I really thank you thank you for your time. I hope I hope oh, yeah, the listeners awesome. the listeners the listeners enjoyed this. Um, you know, a lot of big a lot of big things coming in the next probably two months. Like we're gonna know essentially who the 2017 Orlando Magic are yeah. in 60 days. Crazy. That's so, that's um, nuts. I know. I know. I'm 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 still getting over the fact that we're a month away from summer league and. You know, while we won't probably will not see Mario Hazonia yeah. in summer league this year, which is a bit disappointing, but uh, it's very sad. Very sad. It's 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 funny. I'm 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 actually a little, as a basketball fan, ticked off about this. But uh, guess guess who the highest draft pick will be coming to the Orlando summer league? Oh, I what I don't, I don't what know. I they just. Don't please tell me it's not eleventh pick. The highest draft pick in the Orlando Summer League will be the number eleven pick taken by oh the Orlando. God. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> it's a good thing they don't sell tickets for this thing. It would not. Summer League's fun. Yeah. I love Summer League. It's it's I, it's it's a great time. But, but I'll religiously watch it. But man, that that is not. It is not for. By by about the second by about the third day, most of us are just like okay. This needs to stop. <laughs> it's just it, it can get ugly at times. I, I can't. Magic, I'll be able the to magic get, at, watch it. The magic. The magic have two teams again this year, but as, as well. Awesome D League team and then other team, yeah. which this yeah. year so it's we'll also. Get to, gonna... We'll get to see Tyler Harvey probably, which will be fun. Yes. Um, a, few, a few names have started trickling out, uh, um, including one I'm actually kind of interested in. I'm, I'm actually interested in a, in a Coral White, in a Okoro White uh, out of yeah. out of Florida State. Um, but to close us off here. What do you think happens this summer? Where you know, what what, right, so, what what are your what are your expect realistic expectations? Not your pie in the sky. Oh, you know, the ma- I honestly do believe. I, I believe that the Magic are going to get Al Horford this summer. I, I don't know really? why. I just there's just been a lot of talk about Al Horford this, Al Horford that, and, and I think that they've got a good shot. And I think that Florida is a good selling point. I think the fact that I don't honestly I don't believe the Hawks are that much that much further ahead of the magic in terms of where they are. I think wins and losses, it was like 10 or so. And as Al Horford, there was between 10 wins for the magic. Uh, that's the reigns to be seen, but I, I think he could put definitely put up him, there. Him plus him plus Frank Vogel might be. Yeah. See, there you go. And that puts them right. We're about where the Hawks were this year. If I'm not mistaken, I don't, I don't think the Hawks won to uh, one fifty this year. So, and I, and I think that the East is so muddled that the, the vision's easier to sell. Um, but, I think Al Horford's going to be the big, the big one this year. Everyone talks about Kevin Durant, guys. I wish, I really do, it's just, but it's not, it's not probably in the likelihood here. Uh, and I hope they add a couple bench pieces. Um, another point guard would be great. Uh, I, I, Jeremy Lin probably outpriced us now. I, I think yeah. I, I actually talked about Jeremy Lin last year too, a little bit. But um, as much as 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 much as I don't want to deal with the with the fans that that come yeah. with Jeremy Lin, if, if I think I think he would be a very good backup point guard addition, and I probably just 
open myself up to a lot of hate tweets just by saying he's a backup point yes. guard. Yes, watch out, Phil. Get ready oh, for the I block. I know it's coming. I know it's coming. <laughs> but I, I think that's their offseason in a nutshell. I think the big addition will be Al Horford. And I think as long as that means that Vucevic is moving to the bench or that he is traded, I think that helps the magic a lot. And I think that gets us going in the right direction because you didn't sell the entire youth movement. So there's lots of internal developments for there still to happen. And Al Horford is a good piece right now, and he can help lead by example right now. And I, I think that is ideal, and I honestly do think that is something that is very possible for this offseason. Yeah, uh, that's if, if Horford's the way they go, I think I think what, what you said is certainly – possible and realistic and i think you know signing an al horford if you get you take care of that first um the big moves what they're going to take care of first whatever it is um i think that opens a lot of doors um you know i'm i'm i like to consider myself an optimist but i i feel very kind of pessimistic about this summer i i I think don't say harrison barnes phil don't i'm not i'm not i i don't think they're gonna get harrison barnes i think after they lose on Horford, I, I do think they're going to make a call, and I do think they're going to they're going to try with him, um, kind of in the same way they did Millsap Harris. Um, if they strike out with Horford, I think they go Barnes or or Fournier. Um, I think that's possibly their choice. I thought you just said you weren't going to say Barnes, then you said Barnesville. What's what's going on here? I don't think they're I don't think they're going to get him. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm oh, really okay. saying. Oh, okay. Um, uh, but I think what, what's going to end, I think they're going to strike out a lot on, on the big guys. And I think that's going to have a, tr- a little bit of a trickle down effect. I think they'll struggle. They need to get that veteran. I think that needs to be really a bigger priority. Um, if, you know, if, if, if you, if you talk to Harrison Barnes, it's like three or four guys in, um, I think you go after Horford, you know, maybe you make a call to like a Luol Dang, you know, overpay a little bit, give him a third year he's, just to oh, just he's so huh? he's so washed, Phil. He's so washed. I know. But you need you just need the veteran presence and you can stick him in the corner and let him shoot threes. Um, but you know, you maybe you make a call on Yoki Noah. I I don't think he's gonna he's gonna come, uh, but I yeah. I, I, wa- I wanna believe, but I, I find the magic to be a little bit of a tough sell still. Um yeah, I, I think they they still got a lot of work to do to to, to become a major player. Um, but at the same time, I think even with some of these, these smaller moves, even with kind of being disappointed in free agency, I think they can still take a step forward. Um, I think the coaching hire obviously helps a lot. Um, and I think that they they can still be open to trades, and and obviously they have cap room, so they can absorb a lot more salary. So maybe they take a bad salary to get a guy that they want and can help them. And, um, you know, maybe free agency isn't the way that they improve this team, to be, to be frank. Um, I, yeah. I, I want to believe. I really do. I want to be an optimist. But all these big-name free agents, I, there are just so many options available to them. And a 35-win team with a core that seems very unsettled doesn't seem to be a direction yeah, no. a free agent would want to go. And, I, and, and so I'm, I'm just a little... I think I think they'll retain. If I mean, I think what they'll, what'll happen is they'll retain Fournier. They'll find a veteran that that you know is maybe not exactly who you want, but can help uh, and make the team better. Um, and I think they'll they'll go into the season with 
a very similar roster. Certainly not the same roster, but a very similar roster. Uh, and I'll be the pessimist. Yell at me all you want. I, I want to believe. I do. I, I want to be an optimist here. Uh, but I'll, I'll be the pessimist uh, on this free agency and be pleasantly surprised when, when it all turns out the way you said, Zach. <laughs> I see, hope if, so, if, man. If, see, today, just... today's – sorry, go go for it. Uh, no, you're good. You're good. I was going to say t- today's, today's fortune today's fortune is if you don't, if you don't have dreams, you're never disappointed. <laughs> well phil if that's the way you want to go about it i guess it's true uh i I should have learned like you said from some of my past rants on this here twitter so i I think that's probably not bad advice yeah yeah well keep keep believing zach someone someone's got to be a believer among us someone (laughs) someone someone's got to believe uh but (laughs) no but we'll see what happens it's gonna be very interesting summer there's 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 no doubt about it yeah can't wait it's i can't believe we're looking two months away from kind of seeing the future of the team it's gonna be awesome yeah yeah so so hold those pitchforks for august everybody uh zach tell everyone uh you know in case they don't already tell everyone where they can find you on find you on twitter you, you obviously have a lot to say you you have a lot to say you're you're you're, you're a fantastic follow for for basketball stuff um at, at least uh, uh where, where where can they where can they find you uh on, yes. on the online you can hit me at at former tank commander here f-m-r-t-a-n-k-c-o-m-m-a-n-d-r and i am scott kryles with a rob hennigan avatar the best the best rob hennigan avatar i've ever seen it's so good uh shout out to i'm being not google for giving me this avatar and touching it up that's good stuff man good stuff yeah that's absolutely fantastic stuff uh so zach uh thanks thanks very much for joining us I, i know i said i'd close this at, at the hour mark, and, and we win another twenty minutes. It's, it's just it's such an interesting summer for the Orlando Magic. We this just, is hey, this was a great time. I could talk about this forever, man. I love this stuff. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and we'll have even more to talk about in August because then we'll, we'll we'll know we'll know what the what the hell's going on. Oh, uh, for sure. So, so for Zach, this has been Philip Rossman Reich of Orlando Magic Daily. You can follow me at Omagic Daily. Check us out orlandomagicdaily.com, Of course, you probably knew that you're listening to the podcast anyway. Uh, we'll hopefully be back before the draft, do a little bit more of a, a deeper draft preview, uh, me and someone else, uh, and uh, we'll take it from there. Uh, so for everyone here at Orlando Magic Daily, thank you all for listening. We'll catch you next time. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99. And our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.